Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation's G5 football community. Uh, Conference USA Championship just wrapped up, some coaches have been hired, and we got bowl season to look forward to. So we're going to cover all that and a little bit more on this edition of the show. Um, welcome back. Uh, you might remember us. I am Joe Londrigan, the Western Kentucky blogger over at UnderdogDynasty.com. Um, and with me, as always, uh, the partner in crime, uh, Satchel Ziffer, former Old Dominion kicker punter. How are you today, sir? I'm good. How about you? Can't complain. Uh, just reeling from the beatdown that was the Conference USA Championship, honestly. Um, yeah, what a surprise. Right. Um, so we'll just go ahead and jump into that one first. Uh, FAU won the game 41-17. FAU are league champs for the first time ever. Uh, first of all, Owls would have won by more, but uh, John Franklin the third actually pulled it to Sean Jackson and just kind of flipped the ball out of his hands before he uh, crossed the goal line. So that was pretty funny. I think that was in like the fourth quarter. But other than that, FAU offense put up 633 total yards. Uh, Mason Fine threw two interceptions, which didn't help the Mean Green. Uh, this one was just never close. FAU did whatever they wanted with the ball when they were on the field. Yeah, I mean. It, I mean, we kind of all saw this coming, except for my friends over in Denton. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could just kind of tell that, you know, they kind of had this game wrapped up right from the beginning. Kind of, It's kind of weird. It seemed like North Texas was going to come in and, you know, game plan better, but they kind of just did the exact same thing they did last game, the first game. So it made not a lot of sense to me in general. So. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, North Texas' deep, uh, run defense has struggled for most of the year, and they really didn't do a whole lot different to kind of stop Devin Singletary and Jason Driscoll and this FAU rushing attack, and they really should have. And then also North Texas' offense kind of struggled without uh, Jeffrey Wilson in there, which I kind of thought they would, but at the same time, you got to put up more than 81 yards. FAU finishes up 10-3, and 8-0 in conference play. Uh, Lane Kiffin wins yet another league title. Um, North Texas nine and four, seven and one in conference play. Um, well, I guess now seven and two with uh, with the league championship, but I guess that doesn't count. Only other game that happened last week for a conference USA team: FIU played a makeup game against UMass and won by a margin of sixty three to forty five. Uh, first of all, this being their eighth win of the year, that's a program record for wins in a season for FIU. So congrats to the Panthers for that. Uh, this was also the most points an FIU team has ever scored in a game with 63. Uh, previous record was, I believe, 55. And then FIU quarterback Alex Mago threw three TDs and ran for one. So talk about ending the regular season on a high note if you're FIU. Yeah, just it's good momentum going to the bowl game, good momentum going to next season too. I mean, they, I think they have a probably 
one of the bigger opponents in Temple. So, you know, they need to have all the momentum they can have going into the bowl game. I completely agree. Um, yeah, it's crazy when you think about where this program was even five years ago, and now they're 8-4 and four in a pretty decent bowl game against a uh, P6 team, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be a major player next year if they can kind of continue this and uh, their coach doesn't get picked up by a Power 5 program in the near future. So, I don't know. Fun things are happening in South Florida between the success of FIU and FIU. Yeah, and I think both of those coaches are staying at least for another year. So we'll see, we'll see how it happens next year. I mean, obviously teams lose players, uh, you know, people, other teams get better, but I think both those teams are here to stay at least for the time being. It would definitely seem that way, and hopefully we're right. It's a lot more fun with these guys around. So that wraps up the uh, week recap, short and sweet this time around. Um, so we'll just get into news and notes then. Um, first of all, Stanford offensive coordinator Mike Bloomgren is now Rice's new head coach. So I think this is a pretty good hire for them. I think Rice is going to be better for this. Not that they could have gotten a lot worse from where they were, but I think I think this is going to be some pretty decent long-term success with him at the helm. So first of all, Bloomgren, uh, he did a lot of the recruiting at Stanford, and he had pretty good results. Uh, they were 72-20 and 20 while he was there. Uh, they won three Pac-12 championships, uh, and he's coached 12 NFL draft picks with 11 All-Americans, and included in that group are Christian McCaffrey and current Heisman finalist Bryce Love. Um, on top of that, Rice are we been... are we going to call him a finalist? There's no reason to call anyone but one person a finalist. You think Baker Mayfield's going to take it? Okay, man, you have literally to win one to win one dollar, you have to bet eight hundred dollars on him in Vegas right now. <laughs> like, seems like a sure thing yeah it seems like i i unless the heisman saw something Bryce loves a great player but i mean come on come on sure i just with the way the odds are stacked it definitely looks like mayfield's gonna win that but if you're telling me i can put up eight hundred dollars to win eight hundred and one dollars yeah no no yeah you you won you win one dollar always you, been you, on a sure thing yeah. <laughs> like Kevin, like Kevin Malone said, if you ever get one ten, one thousand, one to ten thousand odds, always take it. <laughs> always take it. You have a chance of winning ten thousand dollars for one buck. Exactly. <laughs> take take betting advice and chili recipes from Kevin Malone. <laughs> um, but back to uh, Mike Bloomgren. Um, on top of his success with those players that we mentioned. Rice actually has pretty similar academic standards to Stanford. So if you're already coming from somewhere where you have experience getting over that hurdle in the recruiting game, I think that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, and I think that's a part of the reason they hired him. I mean, along with everything else. But, you know, when you when you have to bring guys in that are going to be able to, A, compete, but then also, you know, academically be successful, yeah, it's, a, it's hard to find those guys. So you got to be able to... Search hard and find, you know, the diamonds in the rough, per se. Yeah, yeah. So, Rice, one thumb up. Good job. I think you. I think that's going to work out for you. On the other side of Texas, uh, UTEP hired Kansas State's offensive coordinator in uh, Dana Dimmel. And I think kind of the general consensus on this one is whatever, you know. Um, if you don't watch Kansas State football, they run the ball a lot. Uh, it's a somewhat 
similar style to what UTEP was already doing on offense um, with pretty bad results, mind you. So that part's a little bit weird to me. But on a positive side, after reading a pretty decent write-up on him over at Minor Rush, uh, this guy apparently has some pretty good weight to throw around in the JUCO recruiting world. He's brought some nationally ranked uh, JUCO guys to Kansas State. And one of your friends, you said, was yeah. part of that recruiting class? Yeah, defensive tackle, Craig Settles. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I think having him there is going to help UTEP's case a bit in terms of recruiting. But in terms of just the two hires between Rice and UTEP, I think this one was a little bit more of a head-scratcher for me. Yeah, definitely, and especially with, you know, him not going to – he's not going to come to the end of the early signing period because he's going to coach the bowl game. So you're, you're kind of missing out on recruiting too. So it, I, I don't know. It, it was kind of just a weird hire in my opinion. Just like you said, it's just I, – I don't know if it was the right hire. I think it was maybe a little hastily done. But I don't know if there was a lot of coaches that maybe wanted that job. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, I... – I would agree that there's probably not a very long list of people that were jumping at the chance, but I mean it's a hard pull. You like El Paso is not like the greatest place to live either, so it's hard to recruit people there. It's uh, you know it, when you think about the traditional like Texas hotbed of talent, it's not necessarily out where UTEP is, um, like almost in New Mexico pretty much, but you know it's still something and i i honestly really thought they were going to make a bigger push for graham harrell and uh there was another name in there too um that apparently uh they offered but he or they he was a big name on their list but he passed it up that was um urban meyer (laughs) no not urban meyer um but i can see why urban meyer would turn that down um sterling gilbert was the other name um apparently uh utep passed on him and i feel like that would have been a little bit more of a you know recruiting pull than than dana dimmel but you know at the same time i mean the guy knows how to coach football um it's just not necessarily a very sexy kind of football so I mean, yeah we'll see what I, he does. I i would have thought they would have tried to get at least someone with coaching experience i mean or head coaching experience i mean i think that would have been the smart move but I guess you gotta shake it up sometimes. Yeah, uh, does he not? Uh, does he not have head coaching experience? I mean, I, I'm not sure if he does. I, I don't think he does, or and I or I don't think that he has recently in the last like five, ten years. And college football landscape, everything changes so much in five to ten years that you'd never, you never, you you want to be, you want someone that's at least uh, you know comparable with it. That's true. And you're right. His la- He has head coached. Uh, he has been a head coach before, but his last job was in 2002 at Houston, uh, and then he was there for two years, and then he was at uh, Wyoming for three seasons prior to that. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a weird hire. I really thought they were gonna get somebody with like huge Texas ties, and yeah. this guy isn't necessarily that. But I mean. He has recruited well in JUCO, like we were talking about, so maybe that helps. But right, like like we were talking about, it's it's definitely weird on the recruiting side because you really need somebody who's a really good recruiter to recruit uh, to that part of Texas, and yeah. time will tell if he can or not. Did you see anything about this on uh, Twitter? The press conference from Charlotte's uh, chancellor. I did not. Okay. In a nutshell, uh, the chancellor of UNC Charlotte, uh, Philip Dubois, 
um, gave a press conference um, in regards to the talk about fans wanting uh, athletic director Judy Reyes to be fired. And um, he basically called this press conference defending her and some of the stuff she's done. And I take issues with some of the stuff that came up here. This is one of the quotes from his press conference. We have 17 sports, and two of them are very important to fans. Look at the big picture and what Judy has built in her time here. So he's basically saying, like, all the non-revenue sports make up for the ineptness of the football program and the recent uh, problems with the basketball program, too, which I don't know how you can justify that. Like, Yeah, I think at some point you have to realize that there's some accountability, and they need to... I mean, she needs to she needs to understand that while every sport is important, um, you have two sports that bring in ninety nine percent of your revenue. You need to you know be at least competitive in those mm-hmm. in order to you know keep a athletic program funded. So, right, um, yeah, it doesn't it just doesn't make like sense. I mean, if I was a booster, I would be. I, I would stop. I would stop donating. I mean, until until they take some type of accountability and start saying, "Hey, we have a plan to, you know, get us, you know, somewhat competitive in Conference USA." You know, I would stop donating right away. Right, especially if you're a football booster, because this is the other quote that kind of made me shake my head. Uh, he said, "Coach Lambert is a fine person and took a risk without uh, taking a job without football for two years. He had us overperforming to begin with." So, sure, Brad Lambert's a fine person. But to say that he had you overperforming to begin with when I think the most games they've won in a year is five, that's a horrible standard to set for your program. Why would you yeah. say that? <laughs> that doesn't make I any sense. Know. I mean, ODU first three years went like, what, like 29 and like seven or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it that wouldn't make much sense for them to say that kind of thing. I, I don't understand that quote. No. So, I uh, I mean, we, we harped on it a lot last week. So, if you want to hear a more uh, in-depth uh, rants on that, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast. But Charlotte's as administration just really setting a standard for mediocrity there and showing no signs of wanting to improve. So, if you're a Charlotte fan, I truly you know feel bad for the situation you're in right now because it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon because they don't really seem to care. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they like they just brought in football and were like, "Yeah, let's just try and get revenue from it." Like they didn't they didn't they weren't strategic in how they moved up. They weren't strategic in where they were placed because it would have been way better for them to be in FCS for even a more like another 2 years, but they weren't. They just went right up. So uh, and they were losing games to D2 teams, so like that first year, they lost a game to a D two team. I'm pretty sure. I Don't quote. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure they lost a D two team. So at that point, you need to go. Uh, we maybe not want to be in this conference. No, so. not at all. At least I don't know. FCS might be the might be the uh, way to go there. Yeah. Oh boy. They're recruiting FCS right now, so why not just be FCS? Hopefully they uh, they see the light at some point, but <laughs> wouldn't uh, wouldn't hold your breath there at this point. All right. So, Conference USA postseason awards announced, and here was the official list of winners. Coach of the Year, Bill Clark. MVP, Devin Singletary. Uh, Offensive Player of the Year, Mason Fine. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Davenport from UTSA. 
Uh, special teamer, Isaiah Harper from Old Dominion. Newcomer, uh, two winners, Teddy Veal from Louisiana Tech and Jalen Guyton from North Texas. And then freshman of the year was Spencer Brown with UAB. So, Satchel, your first impressions of those winners um, that were announced there. The only one I kind of, you know, I think he's done a great job at UAB, but I think Lane Kiffin should have gotten coach of the year. And that's just, that's just how I feel about it. Okay, I'm not going to say anymore. I mean, you, you go to a FAU program that's, I mean, hasn't has struggled to win four games each year and first year win the conference. I, I think you deserve it. I mean, UAB is a great story and all, but I mean, he came in first year and did what he did, and that's just impressive. So that's true. If uh, Lane Kiffin has accomplished so much in such a short amount of time, I think yeah. that is extremely impressive. But with Clark, I think you just have to give it to him on the fact that. A, they had a really successful year, and B, he just he stuck in that program for what was it three four years uh, in the time that between getting the program cut and then coming back and now being a successful team, like it's that part of it is really admirable. But I, I will uh, give it oh, to no, you. Oh no, I agree. I just yeah. think I just think if we're talking actual coaches, like just coaching. He did it. I mean, Lane Kiffin deserved it. I mean, he won a conference in his first year with a team that has never won a conference championship. That's never even really been competitive. And that's just, I mean, um, UAB is a great story, and I, I love them. And, you know, I picked them every week because I think they're a good team. I just think when it comes to, like, these post-end, these postseason awards, you give it to the guy that was the best coach. And... FAU had the best coach. I mean, UAB, UAB did. I, mean, I can't, I can't defend them, or I can't defend myself by saying Bill Clark didn't deserve it. Because if there was two awards for it, yes, I would say it. But Bill Clark also had a bunch of the guys that were on the team originally come back. He had a bunch of you know JUCO guys that were there. He, it wasn't like this team was like completely dissolved. They were out of football for a year. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, it was kind of. Um... It was kind of I, – I'm trying to think of the word. Um, it was a nice gesture when Lane Kiffin tweeted that um, he thought Bill Clark should win National Coach of the Year because I believe they're both up for National Coach of the Year at yeah. this point. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, good guy Lane. Um, you don't see him often, but he's around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, any of the other awards um, really stick out to you in terms of, like, surprising or – No, not uh, really. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with most of them. I mean, obviously, FAU running back, I can't think of his name, Singletary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he deserved that. I mean, everyone, they all deserved the awards they had. There was people that probably also could have won it, but I think the right person won each other award. Yeah. Um, the one I kind of thought was interesting, and I think he deserved to win it, but uh, when you talk about Offensive Player of the Year and Mason Fine, I think he deserved to win it because he did so much more in terms of like wins and getting his team to, uh, you know, he got his team to the conference championship. Um, but if you look at, like, the passing stats, um, Mike White objectively had a better year and with a worse yeah. offensive line, um, and just in terms of stats. But, like, I mean, obviously that North Texas team was miles ahead of where that Western team is. But I just thought that was interesting that uh, Mike White had uh, more completions, uh, fewer, uh, higher completion percentage, more yards, and uh, he had fewer touchdowns, though. That's uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, and then defense, I, I figured you got to give it to, to somebody on UTSA and uh, Marcus Davenport. 
it only makes sense. He had the second most tackles um, in the league this year. So, um, or second most tackles for loss, I should say. Um, so that makes sense. Um, I, you know, there were a few guys on that UTSA defense I thought you could have given it to. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. I'm just finding out something. Sure. Um, this is kind of, yeah, I, I read some wrong. Singletary deserved the offensive player of the year. <laughs> what I mean, are they doing? I mean, yeah, he was objectively the best offensive player in the conference this year, but I feel like they were like, we're going to give him MVP, and then we can't give him two awards. I feel like that's, oh, that's how that conversation that's, went. <laughs> that, no, that's ridiculous. You give, you give, <laughs> if you won the MVP, that means you are the best player in your side of the ball, too. So that that's, that's stupid. True. That's like saying, oh, well, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to win the Heisman, so let's give it to, uh, you know, someone else. No, no, you don't. Luke Falk. Let's give, let's give the Maxwell Award to Luke Luke Falk. No, you don't do that. You you give the award to whoever deserves it most. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. This isn't a UNT. This isn't my bout, spout with them. This is straight up. Singletary was the best offensive player. Singletary was the best player in the conference. He deserved both awards. That's that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. You you really dropped the ball, CUSA, because. Like I I I I don't like Singletary because he you know scorched us, but the kid kid had seventeen hundred yards. I'm pretty sure he was second in the country in rushing behind Bryce Love. You you you, you give him both awards. I'm gonna He's, let you finish, but you, Devin Singletary had one of the best rushing seasons of all time. <laughs> not of all time, but damn, like no, I, no. I just what the hell, man? Like what were they thinking? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just I I really don't get that. That's. Uh, you're giving a participation award. Congratulations, Mason. Fine, you got a participation trophy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's not me being mad. I think Mason Fine had a great, great year. I just think if you give someone the MVP, they also get their their MVP for their offense or defense or whatever special team. I don't really care. I'm just saying. That's <laughs> a. I mean, it's a fair point. Um, yeah. I mean, Devin Singletary was the best offensive player of the year. Um, but I, I guess they just have something about giving two awards out, which I don't know. We'll see. Well, then I better see Scotty. I better see or Stevie Williams, first team offense on CUSA. Cause <laughs> I mean, they're, I mean, might as well. I mean, you know, you can't give it to Mason fine now. First team offense. So might as well give it to, you know, Scotty here, Stevie Williams. I can't, I'm tired. I hate everyone. <laughs> I literally hate all of you. I have nothing to look forward to this bowl season. Oh. Florida's oh. not playing. Oh. Old Dominion's not playing. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, I'm trying to find uh, CUSA's uh, all-conference team, and then there's just all the uh, you know all the different magazines and outlets uh, yeah. named theirs. So I'm just trying to find CUSA's. Did they name it yet? I thought they did. Yeah, they did. And FA, I'm pretty sure FAU had like 12 players on the first team. I mean, that would only make sense. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'll give you. I'll give it to you. Okay. Oh wait, this is pre pre-season. preseason. Mm. Bastards. And I, I honestly think Brent Stock still would have won the award. Would have won uh, quarterback of the year if he had been there all year, or uh, he would have been first team quarterback. But that didn't happen. Sorry, yeah. dude. Mm. Whoopsie. Yeah. All right. Whatever. And then, uh, okay, I think I found it. Um, Florida Atlantic's seven first-team selections. 
uh, include four from the offense and three from the defense. So here's the first team offense. Uh, Mason finds the quarterback. Uh, Devin Singletary and Ito Smith are the running backs. Uh, offensive line was uh, three guys from FAU, um, a guy from Western, which is mind-blowing, even if he has a redshirt senior. Um, and then Will Hernandez, one of UTEP's guards, who was, I'll say, kind of one of the bright spots on that team. Um, and then Ryan Yurichek at tight end from Marshall, and then the wideouts were Thomas Owens Sr. from, or Thomas Owens, rather, from uh, FIU, uh, Tyree Brady from Marshall, and Corey Robertson from Southern Miss. So, I mean, I don't really take issue with, um, I don't take issue with the first team, really. Um, Corey Robertson had a amazing year, I thought. He's really, really good. Um, Ryan Yurichek absolutely believe, uh, deserves to be there. Uh, yeah, and the running backs were pretty good picks, too. Um, I kind of thought Jeffrey Wilson and Ito Smith would be flipped, but that's just me. I'm, again, I'm really surprised there's a Western offensive lineman on that team because Western's offensive line was horrid. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, defense was uh, Jalen Ferguson at uh, – the defensive line was Jalen Ferguson from Tech, uh, Oshani. Um, I've never had to pronounce that name before. but Oshane, Oshane Zimenez. O'Shane Zimenez from ODU, yep. uh, Brian Womack from Rice, Marcus Davenport from UTSA, uh, and then the linebackers were Aziz Al-Shair from FAU, linebackers uh, Emmanuel Ellerby from Rice, and uh, Joel Iabeniwe from Western, and then the DBs were Jalen Young and Shelton Lewis from FAU, uh, Cedric Cooper from Louisiana Tech, and Darius Williams from UAB. Um I believe it was Darius Williams. Uh, he's a redshirt junior, but he—I think he was the kid that, like, uh, when FA or when UAB's program got cut, he worked as like a florist at like an Ace Hardware for a couple of years before he came back. Crushing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the special teamers were uh, kicker was Parker Seanfield from Southern Miss. Uh, Punter was Kari Vedvik from Marshall, which only makes sense. I, he had uh, one of the top ten longest punts in. FBS history this year. Um, kick returner was Isaiah Harper. Punt returner was Daryl Brown. And uh, long snapper. Our special teams is killing it. Right, yeah, ODU um, special teamers getting it done. And then the long snapper was uh, Cameron Link from uh, Louisiana Tech, who also good baseball player, fun fact. Mike White was the second-team quarterback, um, which, yeah, makes sense. I mean, he had a great year given the circumstances he was under. It just didn't translate to wins. Um, and then Jeffrey Wilson and Spencer Brown are the second team running backs. I'm a little surprised Ty Lee made second team for Conference USA from uh, middle, just given the fact that he missed time. But it just shows how important he really is to that middle offense. Defense on the second team, no real mm, surprises, I guess. Uh, Khalil Brooks from Middles on there. Uh, Chase Hancock from Marshall was the other linebacker, along with Anthony, Anthony Wint from FIU. Um, defensive line, Furman Silva Jr. from FIU. Uh, Ryan B. from Marshall. Xavier Thigpen from Southern Miss. And Kevin Strong Jr. from UTSA. And when you look at his name on the sheet, uh, it's Kevin Strong Jr. who is a junior. So it says Kevin Strong Jr. Jr., which is pretty entertaining <laughs> to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the gist. I mean, I, I feel like those are pretty fair. Um, my only thing was I, I thought Jeffrey Wilson was going to make first team over Ito Smith, but he didn't, and that's fine with that. I'm not mad. 
So, calm down. You're fine. <laughs> I am just so enraged. It makes no sense. Um, but no, I mean, I feel like that that was a pretty fair list. Honestly, I don't really have any. There's no major changes I would make there. What about Me you? either. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, so we'll go ahead and run through the bowl schedule here. Um, so we got nine teams in. Of the ten Conference USA teams that got bowl eligible, the one that didn't get a bowl berth was UTSA. Dun, so, dun, ta-da. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so sorry, runner fans. Maybe next year. Um, better luck next year. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know what else you can say really at that point. I mean, yeah, it's UTSA, kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I feel like there were three teams in there who, when it came down to it, I, I don't know, didn't necessarily even really like deserve one, and that was UTSA, Middle, and uh, Western. Honestly, I was I was surprised Western got a bowl. Although at the I same think time, Middle deserved one. You thought to be middle des- you thought Middle deserved one? Yeah, how they played at the end of the season, and also just without having those guys. I mean, I mean they deserved one. I think, in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we, they're definitely more fun to watch when they have a uh, stock still at quarterback. So I'm, I'm sure that kind of had something to do with uh, with the bull selections there. Um, and good thing for middle, they don't have to travel like crazy distance this year. Um, they're going to play in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery. In the past two years, they've either been in the uh, Bahamas Bowl or the Hawaii Bowl, their past two bowl trips. So saving significant money on gas. <laughs> This year, yeah, I'm, fan. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure all those players are probably super happy about that. Oh sure, yeah, I'm sure the players are. They're probably to go to so pissed. <laughs> having to go to Montgomery. I would be over. so butthurt. <laughs> like they could have gone. Like uh, okay, well, well, like objectively, CUSA has the best, like coolest places for bowl games mm-hmm. by far. Mm-hmm. I mean, we uh, you have Hawaii, you have the Bahamas, you have uh, Boca Raton, you have New Orleans, you have all these awesome places, but then you have the low end. You have Albuquerque, New Mexico, Montgomery, Frisco. They're awful. <laughs> like, they're so bad. It's I just feel so bad. Like, if I had gone into a bowl game and had to play, like, in, like, Shreveport, <laughs> I'd be pissed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a flip of the coin whether or not you go to like one of these amazing locales or to uh, something a little bit less than that. Um, yeah, because you're giving up literally most of your winter break. So like that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like at least you want a cool vacation out of it. So right, um, one of the teams getting a pretty cool uh, vacation in my opinion. North Texas are going to face uh, Troy out of the Sun Belt in the New Orleans Bowl. On the 16th, uh, a few other games on the 16th as well. Uh, Western faces Georgia State at the, the Cure Bowl in Orlando. Uh, Marshall is going to face Colorado State. I think that'll be a pretty good game um, in the New Mexico Bowl. Um, and then, like we were talking about in the Camellia Bowl, uh, Middle Tennessee plays Arkansas State in uh, Montgomery. And those are all on Saturday, December 16th. Um, we'll do a, a formal bowl preview show next week. Uh, I'm just kind of running through the schedule here right now. Um, then on Tuesday the 19th, Akron comes to Boca to play FAU. Um, so getting to play a bowl on your home turf, that's kind of a nice perk for uh, the Owls. For the for the coaches, not the players. That's players. true. 
players would be hateful because a they don't get that stipend then to because they're going to be away they're not going to be away from school and then b they just they have to play Akron and they've already done all the cool things that they're going to do so you know like that's kind of unfortunate yeah, let me just true. say one thing before we finish up mm-hmm. western kentucky got so set up in every single way and this is coming just from like a football like my viewpoint of going 6 and 6 getting into a bowl game not only getting into a bowl game, but going to Orlando where they're going to be able to go. They're going to spend time at Disney or like Universal Studios. They're going to have a good time. It's going to be a cool vacation. Mm-hmm. And they're only missing like four or five days of their winter break. They are so set up. They get the best week <laughs> because they're done. They're done then. And they get a whole month off before winter workouts start. Good for you, Western. Good for you, man. <laughs> the perks of going six and six, I guess. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> like, whatever, but that was awesome. Like that's awesome. You guys got set up. Yeah, they got they got a good bowl there. Um, they've gone to like the best locations the past like four years, I think. Because they've I don't been to know. The, they've been to the Boca Bowl, they went to the Miami Beach Bowl, and they went to the Bahamas Bowl, and now they're in Orlando. I so mean, like yeah. not not the best bowl games, but like the best locations for sure oh yeah for the players yeah i mean that they they have so much fun probably oh yeah i'm sure it's a dream come true um and then on wednesday december 20th louisiana tech faces southern methodist in the uh frisco bowl uh that's a new one right yeah i'm assuming so yeah because i had not heard of that before uh because that's that's in that that's in the stadium they play in the national championship for fcs i'm pretty sure so that's the is that the Cowboys Stadium? No, Frisco no. is. They play it a different. Let me. We're gonna do a little bit of research. Yeah, we're right. Figure this one out. Toyota Stadium. Yeah, this is where they play the national championship game, which is kind of interesting because that's around the time that they have the national championship game. I thought. So that's that's interesting. Hmm. Must be For, a warm up, I guess. Or maybe at, like because I'm yeah I'm pretty sure the national championship game's on. Probably Saturday, that the twenty third. It's around there. I know that, so hmm. I'm smart. Oh, nobody was doubting that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Thursday, the twenty first, uh, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, best name uh, in St. Petersburg Temple versus FIU. Um, so there's that one, and then Friday, the twenty second, uh, UAB will face Ohio in the Bahamas Bowl. Um, and then last one on December 27th, Southern Miss facing Florida State in the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl uh, in Shreveport. So um, so that's the complete bowl schedule for Conference USA. On first glance, Satchel, which of those bowl games seems most intriguing to you? It's gonna it's it's between two. Um, definitely the Southern Miss Florida State game is just gonna be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think Florida State sucks enough that I think Southern Miss will win that game somehow. Yeah. Um, but I think most intriguing game would probably go to Marshall, Colorado State, in my opinion. Okay. I think I think that's like they're the best matchup for each other. Um, it's kind of like it's going to be more of Colorado State fans, obviously, mm-hmm. but I just think it's just they're just two really different teams, Colorado State throws the hell out of the ball. I mean, they had one of the top wide receivers in the country. He lost the award last night, but he, he was there. And then Marshall, obviously, they just try and pound it as much as possible. So it'll be it'll be a fun game. I think um, that'll be, like, 
probably just like the closest of the games. I think. I think it's you're either going to get a blowout one way or the other. But that game, I think you're either going to that game and the Florida State game is going to be interesting. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on the Marshall versus Colorado stable. I think with Marshall's offense and then Colorado State has a pretty solid defense actually. So I think that'll be I think that will be the best game just in terms of like score margin for sure. Um the the Southern Miss Florida State game will be interesting. Um I'm kind of looking forward to see what happens with Troy and North Texas too because Troy had a pretty good year this year. So I'm just I when you put them up against another G5 team with a really good offense, uh, you know it'll be interesting for me to see if they can keep pace. Um, so that one's there for sure. Which of these games do you see being the biggest win for Conference USA? FAU. FAU, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That, that only makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah, Akron's okay, but yeah. you can kind of say that about all the MAC teams at this point. So. There's a couple of things that I see going into that game. I've, obviously, FAU is really good. Mm-hmm. Mac or Akron's decent, but you know they haven't played a team like FAU yet. Um, they're playing in Florida. Akron's already used to the winter. They're going to get down there. They're going to get dehydrated faster. They're going to be tired faster. They're going to cramp up. There's, it's just going to you know you're you're playing a different team when you have to go from playing every week in you know the Northeast to playing in. You know, I mean, Florida. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like that's a fair statement. FAU, um, by far the best team in the league this year, and I think they got a pretty, I don't want to say lucky, but I think they got matched up against a team that's not really going to be able to defend the things that they're really good at. So, you know, I think Lane Kevin finishes off the year with another win. Um, okay, and then... What do you think is going to be the biggest loss for Conference USA? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, SMU, Louisiana Tech. Okay. Actually, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say Temple, Florida National, but I think um, I think Florida National will at least like you know score some points. Mm-hmm. Keep it interesting. Yeah, but I think Louisiana Tech will just get dismantled. Mm. Yeah, you know, Tech's been one of those teams that's just kind of inconsistent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah. uh, you know, Southern Miss has a pretty decent offense. So I think, you know, if they don't keep them in check early, I think it could get ugly. So we'll see. Yeah. but And, I mean, I mean, Southern Miss played UNT earlier this year and beat them by 22. So, I mean, I'm not saying – I'm not – Southern I don't, Methodist, you mean? Southern Methodist, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you know, down the stretch, I mean, they were good. They were they were actually having a really good season early on. They were six and two, and then they just you know had an unfortunate three game stretch of UCF, Navy, and then Memphis. Mm-hmm. So that's going to happen to you. But they're they're a lot better. They're a lot better than uh, seven and five in tails. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty safe safe bet on that one. Um, so we didn't do a question of the week last week. Or I, maybe not even the week before. So yeah. at this point, I have multiple. Oh, you have multiple. Great. Yes, I do. Okay. First one. Uh, in the conference, offense and defense. Who are who's going to get like drafted this year? Like who's who's the highest draft pick for offense and defense from our conference this year? Because I have mine. And believe it or not, I don't think either of them made first team. Yeah. Uh, who who were yours? You can go first. Offense, Richie James. I think he'll get drafted like fourth round, okay. which will be the earliest for that offense. Yeah. I think uh, Jalen Ferguson could go in like 
you know, the third round maybe. I mean, he's an edge defensive end, Louisiana Tech. Um, I think he just kind of fits the mold of what they want in a defensive end. So I think he'll go, you know, the. I, I don't think we're going to have a lot this year, but I think he'll, they'll definitely, they'll both of them will get picked up first. Okay. Yeah, you know, I hesitate to say first because I think he's going to be kind of a, like a middle round guy, but I, Mike White's going to get drafted by somebody for sure. Um, hmm. How tall is Mike White? Because that makes all the difference. Yeah. Because Taylor Heideke was the best quarterback in Conference USA that year, other than Raheem Cato or whatever, and that kid didn't get drafted because he was 5'11". Mike White is uh, 6'4". Okay, he'll get drafted. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he's the same size as, um, like, Brandon Dowdy, who played at Western. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he's a backup on uh, Miami now, I believe. So, I mean, he'll yeah. he'll go somewhere and... I mean, you know, starting spots are hard to come by in the NFL, but he'll he'll make a team. I'm yeah. not worried about him. I think um, Richie Jones will get picked up by some, you know, at the Patriots. Yeah. Because we all know the Patriots and what they like in their wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obvious there. Um, <laughs> Which makes no – it's just so – like, I don't understand that, actually. <laughs> I really don't. It's just very weird. Yeah, it's, but I mean, they 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 like the short they like the short guys. They like the shifty. I mean, he's only like five ten, I think. So yeah, I I don't get you know I I'm not gonna pretend to know like I understand what's happening in Bill Belichick's head, but I mean it translates to wins. I guess yeah, I so. Mean, they they just love those freaking short guys like no tomorrow. It's and I don't know maybe it'll work out. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I don't know if he'll actually go pro, but uh, Joel Ebe anyway um, is going to play. He'll play in the NFL at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and my picks are bidding that they decide to go pro, and I just think I think Richie James will just because you know it's time. He he doesn't want to get hurt, and then I think Jalen Ferguson's the same way. I think at some point you have to protect any type of draft draft stock you have. So. And then I, Will Hernandez is going to play in the NFL, too. Uh, guard from uh, yeah, at some Utah. Point. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's a senior, so I'm assuming he's going to go pro. I don't think he'll oh, come no, back I think, fifth year. So. Oh, no. I think I think he'll go, but I'm just saying I don't know if he'll get drafted. I think he'll probably go on a scout team for a while. So Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's hard to uh, get your draft stock up there when you go uh, 0-12. Oh, but I think he yes. – I, I, was he – I want to say he was an All-American, though. Um, maybe not. Oh, no, maybe not. He's just first team uh, all conference USA. Um, but yeah, he earned so. he earned a, he earned AP mid season all American. Oh, did he? Okay. So he got some type of a like he had some type of a like presence. So he'll he'll definitely have a chance. I think. Okay. I, mean, it, I think it really just kind of depends. I want to know something about. It. I wanted to see his you know his size. Because I think he plays well. It's just I I think there's so much about just size in the NFL. Yeah, he'll he'll be fine. He's six three three oh four. Yeah, yeah. He's a big old. He's a big old boy. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend to be a you know draft guru or whatever. But um, I, I think I think Ryan Yurchak is a good shot too. I mean, of the senior guys. I mean, he's a first team tight end. He played a huge part in that Marshall offense that was, you know, looking like the favorite to win the league at one point. So uh, give him credit too. So I, okay. yeah, 
But uh, you had multiple questions this week, you said, right? Yeah, we have two more. Okay. All right. Um, who's your dark horse, or who do you think is going to win the conference next year? Just very early, and then MVP for next year. Honestly, like if FAU just keeps going the way they're going, I think Devin Singletary has a shot to win it again, uh, provided people don't you know know how to like just figure out a way to shut him down, which I don't know could happen, but I don't know. Um, in terms of like teams winning the league. Um, that's a good question. I think, like, I don't know, North Texas is losing some people, but they're bringing Mason Fine back, which is good. Um, I don't know, FAU's, I feel like they're losing a lot on their offensive line, though, which is kind of tough. Um, I think we're going to see, but then, then obviously Lane Kiffin's going to recruit really well, so I think we're going to see a really similar race next year. Um, but I also think Southern Miss is going to make a case next year okay. as well because their offense, uh, you know, it was inconsistent this year, but I think at the same time uh, some of the pieces that they had this year are going to come back and, you know, show that they belong in that race. So, yep. yeah, I think I'd, in terms of like a dark horse, I, I would keep an eye on Southern Miss. That's my opinion. Okay. So I say I I think Marshall's going to win it. Okay. I think Marshall, they were so young. I mean, they're going to be very experienced next year. I think every other team kind of dies down because most of them, like a lot of them have, you know, older players that, you know, are standouts that are going to be gone. So um, Dark Horse, I'm actually, you know, I just have to stand by myself and say ODU because I think you're going to get everyone back that was hurt. Most of your defense returns. Most of the guys that started in 2014 are now seniors, having played four years. We're going to have, I think we're going to probably have the most experienced team in Conference USA and one of the top experienced teams in the country based on amount of games played, amount of games started on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're bringing back, we're bringing back every wide receiver other than and Vaughn, Melvin Vaughn. Mm-hmm. We're bringing back every running back other than Ray Lowry bringing back our quarterbacks, bringing back our whole offensive line. We're bringing back our whole defense other than one guy. And then we have backups that had to play all season too. So I think, I think there's a chance that we might not win it, but we're definitely not going to be as bad as we were this year. I think that's a fair and, statement though. Old Dominion's like super young. Yeah. They were this oh, year anyway. They were, yeah. And this, and, and that's the good thing is that now we have all that experience back it's going to be different. And I mean, so um, this is going to sound a little far-fetched, but I think, uh, and I, I, this is so subjective probably, but okay. I don't care. Jonathan Duhart's going to win the uh, offensive MVP and maybe the whole thing, the whole MVP award. Okay. I think he's going to come back off after the broken ankle uh, or broken foot. Um, he was obviously one of the, he was one of the best wide receivers in the league two years ago. Uh, he's an NFL guy. I mean, he's going to go to the NFL. He's six three, runs. A f- he's fast. He's. I mean, he's very athletic. The kid has every, every, every uh, asset to be, you know, a really good wide receiver in the NFL. Sure. Um, and I think I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to be able to stop him, especially on the deep balls. Once Stevie Williams kind of understands more about how to throw that. Yeah. So, it, it, and it sounds far fetched to give it to a wide receiver, but I think. If the kid has over a thousand yards receiving, he can win it. When you have a seventeen-year-old quarterback, it's kind of hard to like get any of your receivers like 
into the conversation. But exactly. you know, if he if he takes this year to like really develop and come back, and yeah. you know, you could also see like I could also see like I mean, not winning that award, but I think Isaiah Harper is going to really do some things next year that people are going to be kind of like because we we're losing Ray Lowry. I mean, we're losing our number one rider, running back for the last four years. Uh, you need to put someone back there with Jeremy, and Jeremy's a great running back, but he's more power. So you put someone like Ray, or like Isaiah, who played running back in high school, runs a runs a hundred meter in ten point one seven. You're gonna do some damage, and he did this year, and he'll prove that that again next year. I, I hope they kind of move him back to a like more of a running back. That'd be interesting. So. Yeah, no shortage of nice talent in that backfield for sure. So. Okay. All right. And, and third question. Yeah, go for it. Who do you think's gonna? Who do you think wins the Heisman next year? Next year? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Because I have my pick, and I just want to put it on the record so that when it happens, everyone has to pay me ten bucks. Who's your pick? Uh, you go first. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's really now hard. the safe bet would be Bryce Love. Yeah, that's true because he's what a sophomore or a junior? Yes. Okay, he's, he's a, sophomore. a junior, but I don't. know he's a junior, but I don't think he's going to leave. He right. might. That. Eh. No. Yeah, I mean, that would be surprising for sure if he left. Um, Hmm. I don't know. It's been... It's been a while. It's been a while since the G5 guys won the Heisman, right? Yes. So you think think Singletary could? I mean, that's a name that, like, popped into my head just because of, like, all the crazy stuff he was able to do this year. But, like, I mean, the fact that, like, the level of competition is... You know, in the eyes of some people, uh, significantly lower than like and than like these kids that play at Power Five schools. Um, yeah. So. The fact that Rashad Penny's not even in the conversation is ridiculous to me. Yeah, that was a little weird because Penny's is Penny a sophomore or a junior this year? No, Pen- No, no. This this I mean for this season, he's a oh. senior. But okay, the kid has the kid has more more yards than Bryce Love, more touchdowns, a little bit lower of an average. But the fact that you have more yards by oh like sixty, and then two more touchdowns, you should have you should be at least in the conversation. I have two that I'm choosing between. Okay, so who who are, who are and you? And they're doing? both running backs. I think a running back's going to finally win it again. Okay, I can see that. So there's actually it's kind of three, but I I I have more faith in one than I have in the others. I think. You know, there's 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 really you have Ronald Jones the third USC mm-hmm. if he comes back. I don't think he will come back, and that's the problem. But I think AJ Dillon's going to win it. Okay. From BC, because the kid didn't even really he didn't start the first four games. He had to share reps with other another running back, and he still had 250, 68 carries and fourteen hundred yards, and that whole offensive line is just going to be better next year. So. Yeah, I, 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 I think he's gonna at least be in the top three. I think it's gonna be like an Andre Williams year from 2012 or 2013, where he just literally just like shot on the scene and had 2,000 yards rushing somehow and was second in the Heisman vote. So I think him. Another thing that I'm very confused about is how the heck did they not even put Lamar Jackson in the finalists? They did. Oh, he is. Yeah. He's, oh. Yeah, he's. It's uh, him, Baker Mayfield, and uh, Bryce Love. So the thing is, I think, to be honest, I think Lamar Jackson deserves it more than anyone, but he won't win it. I mean, obviously. But 
right. deserves. Right. I mean, he. I think he's had more. He's had more rushing yards than Bryce Love, and he's had. I think he's had no, more. No, no, not more rushing yards. Oh, so he, he has. Okay. He has fifteen hundred yards almost pass or rushing. Right. Which, that's ridiculous in general. And then th- he's uh, three thousand five hundred yards passing. So five thousand yards. But not only that, he's sixteenth in the country in passing. Seventh in the country rushing. That's never happened before. He has a combined total of touchdowns of like 53 or something like that. Like some ridiculous amount there. Um, I think if there's anyone that could win it just without anyone thinking about it, it's him. Other oh, Over over Baker Mayfield. But I just, I don't get how he he's kind of, just because the team hasn't been good this year, he hasn't gotten any love. Yeah. But he's gone under the radar and had probably one of the most prolific seasons of college football history without anyone even realizing it. I know he's been fun to watch. And I mean, if he comes back next year, which he won't, but if he comes back next year, I, but he's why don't you think he will? I think, I mean, I think he's just going to, because if anything, he's going to go get drafted and take the money. Honestly. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Cause he's going to be a, he's going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. So why not come back, play one more year, win, and then just be a wide receiver. I mean, when that, the highest... that may be, but I think just the fact of, like, the fact that he already has a Heisman. I mean, yeah, he's already accomplished everything you can accomplish in college. Pretty much. And forbidding, of... forbidding whatever happens to them with the sanctions. I mean... Yeah, I don't know how much of that will come down on the football program, but, I mean... I'm... I think I think it's going to just come down on the whole athletic program in general. So... Uh, yeah, that will be... It's not going to be a fun day whenever they make up their mind about that. Oh, yeah, you went to Louisville. I, I did. I did go to Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a weird day. Um, but I don't know. I Yeah, I think Lamar goes pro this year, but that's just me. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I could see it. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, if he does. Yeah. But I'm not going to also be like, well, if he doesn't. I, I, I see him going pro. If he comes back, then, yeah, he should absolutely be in the conversation. Um, the other name that uh, I was going to throw out there for um, <clears throat> for Heisman was um, the – now I'm blanking on his name, but the running back from Wisconsin, um, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a sophomore next year, and I, I think he'll be in the conversation for sure. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, third in the country in rushing this year with uh, over 1,800 yards. Um, it's above Devin Singletary. It's just below uh, Bryce Love. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's he's uh, he's my pick to be in the convo. Can I read you? Can I read you his stat, Lamar Jackson's stats for these three years? Go for it. Because they're kind of ridiculous. All right, eight thousand nine hundred seventy-two yards. I'm doing rough math here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Eight thousand nine hundred seventy-two yards passing. 4,195 yards rushing uh, touchdowns. He has 49 rushing touchdowns, uh, 67 passing touchdowns. He also has four sacks or four t- four tackles. Four tackles? <laughs> Could he go down as the best college football player to ever play? Uh, all around? He's definitely up there. I mean, I don't... I mean, when it comes to when it comes to just pure sportsmanship and like winning, I mean, you have to. You probably give it to Tebow, just based on that. But 
when it comes to this, like just overall production and yeah. just, just there's no one. I don't think I've ever seen anyone even close to him. Manziel, if he wasn't just like a jack wagon, but he is. Right. right. So. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, he's something special. Absolutely. I would I would just love to see like just him like, you know, Louisville just to be Louisville, bring in Michael Vick for a year just to be his QB coach. Just to get funny. him ready. Just to get him ready for the NFL. Yeah. If he wanted to play quarterback, I would that would be awesome. He's definitely drawn those comparisons fairly often when that's I think it's due. So that would be that would be really cool. I don't think it will happen, but it'll be really cool. Well, he can't throw like Vic, but he can run like mm-hmm. him. Yeah. He can probably run better. So, probably. Yeah. Uh, we had a three for on questions of the week. Oh, and before I forget, I we had one more bet that we haven't made good on from two weeks ago, I believe. Um, and I think I figured out what I think I figured out the punishment for. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Next time we record a podcast, so I guess next week, um, I would like you to read an excerpt from a football movie of your choosing, so like a speech or something like that, Okay. impersonating a celebrity of your choice. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Does that, can it be a cartoon? Yes, it can be a cartoon. Okay. Cool. All right, cool. cool. So look forward def- to that. Wait, it has to be a football movie. Nah, let's just let's just round it out to sports movie. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I know it, I, there's only one speech that I care about. <laughs> All right, I'm excited to see what it is then. Um, so keep an eye out for that next week when we do our bull preview show. Um, but in terms of everything else, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you found this on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, that helps the show grow and subscribe and all that. Um, follow us on social media as well at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and on Facebook too. Um, follow my satchel and uh, follow my satchel. Yeah, yeah. Follow yeah, my follow my satchel. <laughs> follow satchel and myself on Twitter. I am at J O E H I O underscore. Satchel is Z I F F underscore fifteen. Um, we do funny stuff and say insightful things sometimes. Uh, and ran about politics. Yeah, yeah. So we, don't follow me if you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. Known to do that too. Um, but yeah, if there's nothing else, um, happy football watching. Bowl season's upon us. Gather around with the family. And uh, Satchel, what's your sign off line this week? You still suck, North Texas. <laughs> Never gets old. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>